my inspiration it's really in tune with my intuition so whenever i'm gonna prepare a piece you be sure that what you're seeing is a reflection of something that is happening in my personal life hello everyone you're listening to the Belladance life podcast i'm your host jana komarnitska and i'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you if you are a new listener welcome to the show don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes and if you are our regular listener welcome back please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening they really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Belladance art form plus i really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Join one of the BDE experience intensives and get the training and experience of performing in lead and ensemble roles open for Raksharki and Fusion styles. Details and training materials for the casting are available at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. Do you know those conversations after which you have literally goosebumps and you're just thinking, wow, (laughs) this is gonna be one of those. And how else could it be? Because it was exactly this situation after our first interview with our amazing guest today and it destined to be again just the same way. So I'm extremely happy to welcome back to the Belladance Live podcast Valerique Molinari. She has started her Belladance training when she was 13 years old in Puerto Rico. By the time she was 18, she already started performing in Palestinian-owned restaurant. Valerique has a BA in Hispanic Studies and Comparative Literature, the influence of which can be seen in her creative and poetic approach to choreography, dance teaching and production. In 2015, she began producing the Lebanese Love Affair, an annual event in Miami dedicated to providing a platform for dancers to study directly from renowned and dedicated Arab dance artists all in a big celebration of love for Rak Sharki and the countries that gave birth to it. In our today's conversation, we talked about uh, many different things, many different projects that Valerik's starting just right now, and for some of you it may be discoveries, and they are really exciting. So stay tuned till the end, because you will not only discover about uh, events, but already receive benefits and useful material and information just of thoughts like to process and think about your approach to dance in life listening about events that's how crazy it is (laughs) so even if you don't participate you already will benefit just by listening about them the reason why they were created and uh, insights that you may bring into your dance approach uh, to or at least rethink or consider some changes or some more the deeper thoughts and considerations. But we also talked a lot about uh, creative uh, and life process and I'm extremely uh, grateful to Valerique to being so open and so honest and just being 
just tell in how it feels, how it goes through, and how it is to experience very different aspects of life. And we all go through bright and dark uh, periods of life, and uh, we all have different chapters in our books. And uh, very often we only highlight the good, the bright parts, uh, because of many different reasons. But it's very rare and very brave to talk about some dark chapters that we are going through, and especially for artists, how they influence their artistic life. So I am extremely grateful that Valerik shared her insights, her experience of going through different chapters. And we talk, we are going to talk about uh, specifically how connected is personal life, uh, who we are as people and what is happening in general in our life with art that we create. Uh, you will also hear about uh, channeling very intimate, deep emotions into dance and bringing up personal stories on stage. One of those works that Valerie created during the recent years since our previous interview was the video dance Trapped that I'm pretty sure many of you saw, at least clips of it. If not, check it out on her YouTube channel. Link to her YouTube channel will be in the show notes. It's definitely worth watching. And we also talked about insights, how it was created, how the idea itself came up and developed, evolved into the final product, the final piece that you see and we all can see today, and the process of creation and recording of it, because this was a video piece specifically. And also we discussed the topic of not only going through all these processes uh, on our own, like channel our emotions into dance, uh, creating or bringing up our stories on stage, but how also the mentorship element works. What if it's about helping other dancers to bring up those emotions and incorporate them into their dance? Uh, so all this uh, we discussed in out of this episode, very full of useful information, insights, thoughts, uh, inspirational and supportive, because I'm pretty sure many of uh, our listeners, many of you right now, will find what to relate to. And it's those kind of discussions that sometimes they come in a very proper time for someone. It's like, it's exactly what someone needs to hear right now at this moment of their life, of their dance journey, of their personal journey, etc., but on this note, also don't forget to check out the previous interview with Valerique. She was one of the first guests on the podcast, so check out episode number 11, because it was uh, on a completely different topic and still very relatable today, although it was almost five years ago, because we discussed different uh, paths in dance, different career choices, and not even only career choices, but literally different uh, ways, different paths, different uh, adventures that you can uh, take uh, in dance world, because it's not necessarily needs to be all the same, or whatever you think, this is the way, like festivals or competitions or teaching, or whatever it is for you. We actually discussed the multiple possibilities that someone can be present in dance, and that someone 
can have a career in dance, either full-time or part-time, doesn't matter, but how many different facets are in ballet dance world available to you? And sometimes we just focus on one and just grip on it and missing out on something much more fulfilling specifically for us. So go ahead and check it out if you have missed or if you forgot, re-listen to it. I'm pretty sure you will enjoy refreshing that information. It's episode number 11. Direct link will be in the show notes as well. And on this note, let's dive in. Have you ever considered adding a fitness element to your balladance classes? This can significantly help you to get more students through the door and, most importantly, retain them and earn more money. Check out Sharky the Balladance Workout. The founder of the system, Orid, shares how teaching Balladance fitness transformed her own career in a way no performance opportunities ever could. In her course, you will receive tips on how to teach and get ready for the class, including ready-made class choreos, as well as useful insights on business aspect of this activity. Join Sharky's three-month instructor academy that features an online course, weekly coaching sessions, and business training. You leave with razor-sharp teaching skills and best practices for your teaching business. Enrollment is now open for the next Sharky Instructor Academy beginning January 2nd. Apply at sharkey.com teach. It's S-H-A-R-Q-U-I dot com slash teach. Direct link in the show notes. Hello, dear Valeric. I am so happy to host you back at the Balladons Live podcast. Thank you for joining me and really excited for this follow-up conversation. I am super excited too. I'm a huge fan of this podcast and I love your work. So I'm super excited to reconnect with you. And, and, and with your project. Hmm. Our first interview was uh, basically five years ago, like we were just changing prior to, to start recording. Like in a few months, it would be exactly five years since we recorded. So for everyone who missed it, go back to episode 11. There was a very rich, interesting conversation about your activities, about different paths that, that as a dancer, anyone can take for their journey for their career so that's there we're not going to repeat but i want to start that sort of like where we stopped so thinking about this five years let's round it up for five years uh time passes uh, life changes we all change we all evolve always regardless if you're trying or not trying so in your mind in your opinion in these five years what was the biggest transformation for you and you can take it as a person or just as a dancer, whatever you feel. Ooh, I love that question. I think that as an artist and as a person, and for me, those two aspects of my life really work together. Like I really use a lot of my art to manifest and like communicate some of my uh, interest in the moment. Uh, so I feel like in the past five years, I have definitely grown as a woman and in a personal note, it's been five years since I also finished a 10 year relationship. 
So I am coming back and entering to my 30s as a single uh, woman and also as a, you know, entrepreneur at the same time. And I feel this process of basically divorcing had a huge impact on the way that, you know, I approached to my dance now. And in this period of five years, I feel that artistically, I work on a very personal and intimate level with some of my art pieces, my dance performances, that um, dance was a great way to cope and also be vulnerable and like a safe space for me to practice that. And... And after five years also of going through that process and that metaphorsis, right, that change, right now, me looking back to five years, so the last time that I had the conversation with you, I feel very accomplished as an artist and as a person. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel like I had in these past five years a lot of growth in different aspects of my life. So I feel very good. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to hear. I'm very happy to hear that, you know, all the hardships bring to the place of happiness and fulfillment. That's very, very important because in many cases, unfortunately, uh, people go through the hard times without... I don't know how to say without reaching, without letting them, without going into this healing journey to get themselves into the happy place, uh, which of course everyone's situation is different and uh, it's not about comparison or oh, maybe one story is diff more difficult or easier than another, but it's still the process that natural has its cycles as life has it cycles winter, spring, summer, etc., etc. But it's very interesting what you're talking about because of uh, you know, I follow you on social media and sometimes trying to interviews, I don't do it always, but sometimes I kind of go and see like, you know, the posts, what were on the artist's minds, topics, what we're bringing up. And literally, I was again reviewing this and doing half an hour before our call right now. And one post really caught my attention and one specific phrase, which I don't even know if you will remember that you wrote it, but I even bookmarked <laughs> it here. Um, it's beautiful what you, what you wrote. You said that creating choreographies became a way of journaling with your body. And that kind of goes together with what you just said that for you being like person and dancer, art and life, it's all together. Can you share a yes. little bit about how... What do you mean by that? Let's let's go from scratch, you know, from a blank. Like, what do you mean by that phrase? Creating choreographies became a way of journaling with your body. Well, in my belly dance journey and path, when I started my first performing experiences, let's say that I was just becoming an intermediate student, that I would prepare solo performances, let's say for the half lap or the studio showcase, I remember thinking that that creative process of me building a choreography, I will discover 
a lot of things about myself. And I realized that in that process of connecting, building movements, connecting dance sequences, you know, I was really paying attention to the message that I wanted it to get to the audience. And in that process of questioning, you know, what, if, what do I want to express through my art? And exactly asking myself, you know, what do I want them to feel? I also discover a lot of things of myself. And many, many, and I would say all of my dance performances are motivated by moments that are happening and things that are happening in my personal life. So I, I feel that my inspiration is really in tune with my intuition. So whenever I'm going to prepare a piece, you be sure that what you're seeing is a reflection of something that is happening in my personal life. So moments where I felt like, let's say, I was super in love and I go back to see those performances, I could see the joy in my body, you know, and like choreographing and putting it in, and really thinking about the way I'm presenting that, that piece was a way of basically journaling memorizing also an experience in a very different way and also sharing it with the audience. And I developed this year my soloist program because I wanted the dancers to kind of like really connect with their creative self in a very intimate way and more personal and more in more deep. And I wanted it for them to use also dance as a way to also they reflect on their personal life. You know, some of the things that we bring on the stage are actually things that we have to deal in our personal, in, in, in all levels or aspects of life, right? We need to choreograph ourselves. You know, we plan how we're going to do certain things, how we're going to relate to this person, how we're going to do business with this other thing, yada, yada, yada. So, and this is something that I feel helped me a lot to stay motivated also in my dance, that for me, I do, like you said, I have a very strong connection between those three aspects. And then it allows me to really be genuine and uh, honest with myself. And practicing honesty with yourself, it's a hard practice. It's very easy for us to lie to ourselves. And like, sometimes you have to really start, you know, really pay attention and checking on you. So, so yeah, my, my, my creative process is something that I enjoy a lot in a personal level. Um, and, uh, that gives me a lot of satisfaction because I don't need to feel the choreography or the piece of art that I created has to be validated by the audience because it's so attached to me that that keeps my approach to dance very fresh. And for example, when I did my soloist experience, uh, and then works like Belly Dance Stories, which is a new theatrical 
project that I have right now that it's combining creative writing and personal memoir also and dancing, uh, I could see how people start really thinking very hard about their lives and their choices and, 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 and like their relationship with themselves. So that's, that's what it means. <laughs> For you, this is a very strong and brave approach. And I want to ask you, what is more difficult for you to practice honesty with yourself as an artist or putting it out publicly on stage? I think practicing honesty by yourself. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. From artistic point of view, in these five years, there was one work that really stood out as a very different from what you did artistically, choreographically. And um, I may be touching right now on any sensitive topic, so please feel free mm -hmm. to, you know, jungle out of it <laughs> mm -hmm. in the way that you feel. But uh, your piece that you created, a video work trapped. Ah, which yeah. was very different from what you did before and even after. I don't remember anything similar. And it was a video work which I remember not only it was different, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, it even received some award for as a dance video work. Yeah, it yeah, was nominated. Yeah. So if it's okay, can you share a little bit more about that piece and... Um, from either creational point of view or from the point of view, I mean, creation as a choreographer, emotional point of view, or from the creational point of view of collaborating with videographer and doing it was a very interesting like environment. It was unexpected. Mm -hmm. I think you said it was not parking lot, but something like very unexpected, yeah, let's a, say, to, to, to dance. Yes. So whatever you feel, but can you share? Because that work was very different from, in general, what we see in ballet dance world, and specifically for your work, it was different from before and mm -hmm. after. Mm -hmm. uh, so the screen dance work that I did trapped, uh, it was a product of the pandemia. So we were in the middle of the lockdown, I think starting to come out. Um, and the pandemic hit me very hard. I reacted very well at the beginning to the point that I was like, man, I feel like I asked so hard to God to please stop the world. And I said to the moment that it, it became my reality. So at the beginning, I was really inspired, transferred my business online, everything was good, whatever. Then in the moment that everything became suddenly like this, reality and everything started getting a little bit more intense and like then reality hit me and then like the idea of not having a clear vision of my future really depressed me a lot and spiked my anxiety to levels that I have never thought that I would experience. And I consider myself pretty mentally stable, but during those moments, I could, I could tell like, like, I was already like about to lose control. And then I decided that the best idea to control anxiety was to have a bottle of wine every night. And yeah, and then I realized that you know something was becoming a habit. 
And then I was living also with a roommate. So even though I had a dance studio at the moment, I, as an artist, and this is why I live by myself, you really need a lot of like silence time um, and a lot of non-interaction. So my escape was that, because of course, when the pandemic started, I'm all the time in the house. Before that, I was all the time working. So that was not an issue. Once I'm locked down in the house, that my roommate is there and she was incredible. But I just felt that I needed it, like moments where I can actually be in silence and like really have no communication with no human beings, right? So I used to go to the parking lot to drink and dance and unwind, literally, like just to like. And if I felt like crying, that was the space that I created for myself, like that private space. And I remember that I always liked that industrial look that my parking lot had. And I started to, I knew that during, during the pandemic, I'm like, I want to do a screen dance work. Like, I want to I wanna really think how I can create under these circumstances. Because I know I can create something badass without the glamour and with all these limitations that we're having. And I was very interested with screen dance prior to the pandemic, so I understood the, the genre. And I started to record myself in the parking lot, dancing with that black dress. Emo, 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 emo girl. You know, like, that's, that's what I said to you. Like, I used the dance for me. I was feeling depressed at that moment. I'm like, dress black, get drunk put Billie Eilish, sad song, and dance it out. That's how I live my life, you know? And as a creative person, I'm like, you know, let me experiment with this. Let me see this looks very industrial. Let me see how my movements can canalize this emotion, how it can amplify what I'm, what I'm seeing. And I started to record myself dancing in the parking lot. I imagine my neighbors thought that I was crazy because it's just, it was so random that you have this woman doing this lyrical belly dance performance by herself with a bottle of wine on her side. Like, it was outrageous. And at a moment I was doing when the Beirut bombing happened. Of course, Beirut, it's a place very close to my heart for the last years of my career. Uh, I mean, not last year, but let's say five years ago, exactly. I used to travel a lot to Lebanon and I have really good friends in Beirut, really good friends, like amazing people that I consider them family. So when the explosion on Beirut happened, I'm on the peak of like my depression and my anxiety, right? That happens and I'm like, that's it. Like, there's no Beirut, like, like that's it, like... I don't know what's going to happen with my life. I don't know what if I'm going to have the studio. Like, I have no idea. At the moment, it felt so difficult to reinvent myself because I have no idea to which circumstances I have to reinvent myself, right? And I hosted with Diana Soto, another friend of mine, and Keldia, uh, fundraising for Beirut. And we did a show. And I only had like one week to prepare a screen dance piece. 
And I talked to Tyler, which is Valentina's Giraldo uh, boyfriend. And Valentina is an amazing uh, dance artist from here, from Miami. And I have worked with him before, and he was also like starting to to play more artistically with video. And I told him, hey, Tyler, like I have to shoot for this show. I have this parking lot and I have this idea that I think we can shoot this and something very interesting can come out. And I forgot to mention you also that in the pandemia, I reacted very paranoid at the beginning. So I, I, I was living in a building and I used to take the stairs all the time because I didn't want to get in the elevator. Nine floors, girl, nine floors. So one of those days I go to the first floor and then I see the hallway that you see in the beginning of the video. And I just found that so majestic and so beautiful and so creepy and so cinematic that I remember every time that I would pass there, I'm like, I'm gonna record something here because this space, like I know I can do something like. And it was like this gray hallway that it felt like it was never gonna end, like to go out and like it's unfinished. So you have all this cement on the side that looks like very, grainy and like like hard and like then you have the light on the top that it's kind of like very creepy like flashing and then it's very long it's very long it's it's a, like and it feels and it look very interesting and then the floor was like full of like like white powder so it was like a very interesting palette of colors so I told, <laughs> and I had the, the uh, Sebdalisa has recently uh, debuted that album. And I remember that song, Habibi, like cut me out. And that's the, the, the song of my show is that I was usually like dancing on the parking lot there by myself. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so, okay, we're going to do a fundraising for Beirut. Let's just do like a very sad, depressed piece that really, you know, represents sometimes a little bit of the element of death and like anxiety, depression, a little bit of everything that is going on. And I showed Tyler and Tyler was, he came in, he was like, this is great. And like, he, we just like connected and he's like, I'm going to go like this. I'm going to follow you. You're going to start the improvisation. And then what we're going to do is that you dance and I follow you and I go in and out and, and I'm like, okay, perfect. We shoot that first part probably like in 30 minutes. It was so perfect that it like the synergy between me and him, it was perfect at the moment. I was improvising completely. And, uh, but I think because I have improvised so much Kind of like I didn't realize that I have prepared myself for that improvisation over, over all this time that I've been going to the parking lot to to dance. And then I told him, okay, let's go finish on the hallway and then let's go upstairs, which is where the parking lot is actually is, 
uh, because I want to try something. One of the times that I have recorded myself in the parking lot, a car came from the back and I was recording myself and I realized the effect of having my body and then the lights of the car in the back, which is the end of the video. And just from, from that moment that when I went back to see the video and I remember thinking, I'm like, this is a badass idea that I have to do on a screen dance video. So when he came, I told him, this is what I want to try. I have the video and everything. And I'm like, this is what I want to try. I want to be dancing towards the end. And I want the car to come very slowly with their full lights on and that the light kind of like, you know, eats me. And we had Valentina with us and we started to uh, try to film that part, but it was like 6 p.m. So everybody was coming from work. So we had Valentina trying to go three miles per hour and then somebody was coming. So we just couldn't do it. We just left the car uh, on the same place. But the idea that we wanted it originally was for the car to continue coming. And then we filmed everything in two hours, which anyone that is like familiar with filming know that that's ridiculous. Uh, and we just had like very excellent energy. Once we finished, we looked the video and we were like, this is ready. This is ready. And then I, we just chop it. We just say this part, this part, this part, and that's it. And then he added the element of blinking which makes it even look more, more personal. And yeah, he, he understood the idea. He added more because he's moving with me. Uh, so that was something like very, a very interesting input that he added. Like he understood how to highlight my movement. He also understood like how to also highlight the different textures that you can see my skin that looks very like soft and light tan. And then you can see the black dress, but then you can see that gray and my curly hair also. Like you have like all type of textures and like he was able through that zooming and zoom out, uh, you get very nice, interesting play of aesthetics also. And uh yeah, when, when I saw the final product, I remember thinking, like, I wouldn't even imagine the piece was going to be this good. Like, I never thought that I was going to see it and felt like, like, like it really shaked me. And then when I go back and see the video, I'm like, is that I was so honest with those movements. Like, I was such in a dark mental space. And that's why I feel people connect with that piece uh, because um, it, it's, it's very easy to feel it. Uh, I do have a background in modern dance and contemporary. And uh, I have met different, actually Middle Eastern uh, and Arab instructors that are working with that uh, relationship of you know uh, using contemporary also as a different field also to present oriental dance or rapture in a very different way um and 
and yeah, like I want, I wanted it to deconstruct also the dance. And this is something that I learned also from Alexandre Polikevic, uh, which is an amazing um, artist in dancer in Lebanon of like, for example, with the use of the costume, it's not the normal, the dress, right? It's not the normal belly dance dress, right? It doesn't have like that strong aesthetics. And I'm fascinated also with working with those elements. Like not everything has to be shining and bling bling and powerful, you know, and like a fashion statement. And and I think by simplifying like that, which is also a great influence from my modern dance teacher, Petra Bravo in Puerto Rico, Petra, I remember she used to present all her, her dance pieces. Like dancers were wearing just uh, nude leggings. That's it. And she would say, you know, I don't need fancy costumes, to, you know, for to do a very interesting piece of art. I work the bodies of these dancers so well that they don't need a costume for you to understand that it's a really good piece. And like, that's something that always... Uh, stay with me, you know, and I just, I think that in the pandemic, I just took it as a creative challenge. Also, the fact that I didn't have the resources, you know, so what I can do, like what Tyler used to record the piece. I don't remember what's the name, but it's something that you attach to the phone. So I don't, I don't think he was using like his pro camera at the same time. So there's this idea also to think that for you to do a good screen dance piece, you need to spend a lot of money. And, and that's what I also something that gives me a lot of satisfaction about that piece. And, and I, I feel screen dance is such a beautiful genre and video offers so many options. I know that so many dancers at the beginning were like, oh, no, we're moving to video. And I'm like fascinated by all the possibilities that we have now with video. As a choreographer, you know, there's so many things that you can tell through image and like through zooming in, through zooming out. And like, it's something that I, that I am planning to dedicate more time now especially in, in this year to, to create more uh, dance videos. For me also, the one of the highest level of artistry is um, being able to channel your own emotions into dance. Because especially in ballet dance, we often like, yeah, we talk about musicality, we work very hard on the piece to make sure it looks magnificent. But very often it's... Um, um, we work on understanding the lyrics, on trying to express emotions, but it's still very often superficial and not in terms like, you know, oh, fan something, oh, it's not valid, but it's very rare when you see or even yourself manage to truly channel your emotions into that piece. It's like another level. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing like your experience and story. And you mentioned that in your uh, program, Solace program, um, which I, you're still doing it, right? So, and you are helping, you're helping dancers to connect and bring up that. 
But how does that work? Because for you, like, okay, if you or me or whatever, like, if you're working on ourselves, like, we know our emotions, we kind of, it's still very difficult to, like, you know, channel and put it and connect it to dance. But as a mentor for someone who you may be meeting, okay, maybe you knew them before, but it's not like you know them deeply, probably. Mm-hmm. And they may not be willing to go, you know, sometimes in not so happy, maybe corners of their <laughs> soul that they may not mm-hmm. even fully realize because there is so much hidden in us that we often don't know us fully, like, and what's really inside what we are bearing. So how in practice, because it's not just like, okay, you create choreography and they repeat after you, or they create choreography and you do, I don't know, give feedback on their movements. It's a different level of work. So how do you approach this aspect of helping dancers to connect to their emotions, to their real emotions into and channel them into dance? How does it work in practice from mentorship point of view? Excellent question improvisation and the way I approach to improvisation has a lot to do with it. Okay. So for me, it's very important to help dancers develop their improvisation skills in order for them to become better when it comes, when it comes to working with their creative self and finding their creative self. Okay. I think one of the greatest examples also in pedagogy is, 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 is the example, you know, like showing your students your work as an example. Uh, it's also another way to help them see, uh, uh, help them also to think about the relation with dance in a very different way. And for example, this year, I did a piece about uh, my miscarriage experience and how traumatic it was. And it was a dark piece. This was like similar to the trap piece. And it was interesting because I presented in the show of Bellion stories that included creative writing and all the pieces of the dancers added a, a short text that included the reason why they were dancing or the reason of their, of their piece. And I remember that after I did my post and I talk about the piece, it sparked something inside of them. And they all started, oh, Valerie, you know, I was thinking that I want to create a piece because I want to talk about this. They all start thinking about their own story. They all start thinking about, okay, what is affecting to me now? And it's great that you bring that point, like it's difficult to have people opening up, but I found that in my dance classes, through helping them build a choreography, the creative process becomes a moment and a great channel to get there. Because while they're working on their choreography and when they're in that struggle, they will at some point finish talking about something that is affecting them in their, in their personal life and how the way that that movement is not coming out, it's related to that. Like it's all somatics. And that's very interesting because uh, I think through dance, there's a whole process 
before and after you dance the piece that I try to be with the students. So there's the, pro the moment before where you just type visualizing and me as a mentor, like I told, I told them, ladies, you need to talk to me. Talk to me, talk to me in my, my ideas. I believe that dialogue and the Socratic method of talking, questioning and answering and like exchanging ideas is a great generator of uh, creative juices. You know, I cannot teach creativity, but I can teach my students, you know, certain exercises that could, you know, spark those creative juices, you know, uh, but creativity is not something that you can teach. Um, and, and it's interesting because I feel like in the private coaching, in my experience with my students, they all have very different ways of learning. You know, I have students that I have to give them a lot of examples of combos and then they start thinking, okay, let me, let me see how I can work this out. I like this one, but I want to like modify it or filter it. But they need that stimulus in order for them to kind of like gain that creative confidence for them to come. And sometimes they transform it into something else, but they just need that confidence at the beginning. And there's other students that they're just like, they just come with a plan that they're just like, okay, they're clear. And there's other ones that are like, you know, I still need work. Like, I still don't know with, I don't know what, which decisions to make, right? Should, that's the most difficult thing as a choreographer, right? You're constantly, you know, picking and choosing and cutting and taking this and taking that. But sometimes you're not like, I'm not sure about this part, right? What do I decide for this part? And uh, I feel that the more that they get involved, and my, my, my goal as a mentor, it's like whenever they have an idea, I just give them things to feed on it, okay? It could be a resource. It could be a name of another dancer or check this out, you know? Giving them more uh, uh, resources will helping them keep moving and like approaching. And then there's the aspect also that I feel sometimes in the belly dance circuit, we forget that is to talk about dance. Once they perform, how do you felt, you know? I, you know, and also having that feedback from the audience and your mentor at the same time, you know, do you felt a sense of, like I remember one of my students, she worked super hard for a piece, and then when she danced the day of the show, you know, she just did not felt that, you know what I'm saying? Like that day that, you know, she did not felt the piece, she did not felt that she did a good work, and yada, yada, yada. And after that, she mentioned me, and she's like, you know what, honestly, I didn't want to tell you this to you, but like, I worked so hard on that piece, and like, I just didn't felt satisfied after. And it was a great moment to also, have a conversation that, you know, sometimes working hard doesn't really pay off. And <laughs> like we have this idea that working hard, you know, is going to take you very like far away. It's a little overrated. It's not necessary like that. And like it was a great moment for me to talk to her about, you know, the expectations and like 
she dedicated so much to that piece. I felt she did beautiful, but of course she's seeing it from other eyes because she's very attached to the idea that she thought was gonna bring, uh, that she was gonna bring on stage. And immediately what I told her, like, you just have to be very careful with, you know, that inner dialogue that is happening after that, where you feel like, oh, this is such a waste of time. Like, you know, I'm not good enough and yada, yada, yada. And uh, it's interesting because then somehow they're going to go back to tell you something, you know, at work. I also feel like this and like, you know, this, the, the way I created this piece and the outcome, it remind me of this and that. And then suddenly the conversation gets a little bit more personal just because you're talking about the outcome of a, of a choreo. So having those moments where they can actually, and, and something that I've been creating with them, it's like small faces for them to perform. So I did a, a small show called Mujeres. So it was only my 10 students. And they invited a couple of friends, but very intimate. And something also that I do with the program, it's creating these intimate spaces before throwing them to a big theater. You know what I'm saying? Like helping them give them a performing experience because what happens is like they go to a belly dance festival they feel the pressure you know they go and perform they're like it's really not for for many people i've seen it like i remember alan wasahala uh, seeing dancers <laughs> i saw a very famous dancer once like finishing her performance and literally throwing herself up to the floor crying because she did terrible and like, I was like, wow, like you're in Egypt dancing. Like, how could it matter that it's terrible? Like you're here in Egypt, like the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves to for, for that satisfaction and validation. It's just sometimes way too much. And sometimes I also think, you know, performing is a huge act of courage. Um, it's hard to be seen. Like, even when we get to public spaces, let's say you open the, the, the door of a store, everybody looks at you, it always feels uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's not easy. So when you, when you present uh, performing to your students, I also notice that, you know, really understanding their fears and, you know, providing safe spaces for them to speak up it's a great way for them to like really open up. That's all you have to do. And like people have a huge need to communicate and talk, especially nowadays. After the pandemic, you know, like TV, the media, it's great. Text messages are great, you know, but I feel they, they, are, they're, they learn a new way for them to kind of like communicate with others and themselves in a, in a very empowering way. Mm -hmm. Do you keep this program just as in-person program? Because you keep talking about like, your studio, you create space for just your students to perform. Or do you um, put it as online option too for someone who is not, for instance, in your city? I'm, 
I'm doing it right now for periods of time. Let's say like now we're finishing in two weeks. We did like four weeks of the program. And then we have, um, I mean, we did four weeks and we have uh, three classes per week. We have one class for improvisation and musicality. We have another class for shimmy and chill, which is like a dance conditioning, like really focus on the technique. And then the Saturday class, we focus on stylization. So I tend to divide the information of all the classes, uh, giving them different perspectives, right, of the dance. Like there's a class in stylization that is going to be about folklore. It's just going to be very general. And then the class of improvisation, we're going to be working with different aspects from musicality to also explore creatively with movements, abstract movement, more literal movements. And then, you know, they get a little bit of everything. And the goal is that at the end, they present a work. Now, some students can upgrade that product and it, it can include more private classes. And in the private coaching, what they what we do, it's like if they want that extra help, then they will have a, a, a what should I call it? A, a time with me to focus, let's say, in a specific part of the of the performance. Mm -hmm. And when are you already planning the next run? Because right now you said like it's two weeks. Uh, the, the next one, one most likely is going to be February to March. February to March. Yes. And this is for dancers to look at not only uh, in your city, but like online option is available. Too. Online options is available. I record the classes too. So dancers that um, cannot attend to the class can still enjoy it. I give all type of information so i try i have i have students that uh i my target of students usually for the soloist is intermediate and up like i don't think this is a program that would be beneficial for super super beginner students you will need to have a base on belly dance to be able to like to really take advantage but it, for a beginner student it's not I do have a lot of professional dancers that join the program. So I also try to give information for dancers that probably are gigging in their area, that they're looking also to have more, uh, what should I call it? Uh, showmanship skills. And then like how also those showmanship skills, the dancers that are looking to dance, let's say in the half law or something more minimum can still benefit from them. Uh, in a different way, uh, and and yeah, basically that. Before we start talking about uh, this program, uh, we were talking about your artistic journey this this uh, five years, and we basically were talking about the period of very dark emotional period and how you express in choreographies and dancing. Um, what helped you to get out of that depression and anxiety? Uh, was it like just naturally like the world start changing and coming back? Or was it some like, I don't know, inner work and transformation? What was it for you? Oh my God. Yeah, there was a lot of inner work. Um, in the pandemia, I was living with my roommate. I took the choice to move by myself completely by myself is the first time that I do that, you know, because in the past I had my, my, my boyfriend 
uh, and when I moved by myself, it took me some time to adapt. And I was, you know, everybody was telling me, you know, living by yourself is the best thing. You're never going to come back. Yada, yada, yada. And I remember being here and like, be like, damn, like, this doesn't feel, you know, I miss my roommate asking me, like, how it went, you know. It just suddenly felt like I also moved from a room to then suddenly an apartment. So I did not have enough furniture and it felt like the beginning of Miami 10 years ago when I moved here to this city with only an air mattress. And yes, so it felt like a new beginning. And during that time, I asked myself a lot of questions. Like I think the biggest issue, I feel like after coming out of a relationship also for such a long time that I had a, like a huge life project was to kind of like figure it out what I really wanted. And, and that took me some time. That period of time of me adapting here to live by myself and like a start understanding this new me uh, took some time. What it helped me was to really be very aware. And it got to a moment where I said to myself, I'm like, I can't continue drinking every night. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It just gets to a moment that that's how I react. I can get depressed for a period of time. And there's a moment where I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's that, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't continue on this. Like, yeah, like I get um, bored of the PE part, party. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to have a dance studio here, <laughs> here in my apartment. I like that. What's the life that I want to live? I'm going to design it. I'm going to make this happen. And then suddenly I think also like Miami start opening up. So there were a lot of new opportunities happening and everything started moving like slowly. And I think I was very kind with myself. Like I could recognize those uh, bad feelings, kind of like listen to them, felt them. And then uh, realizing, you know, like what can I do really for myself? And uh I also have a big advantage on my side, and it's that I do have wonderful people around me. I have some friends, Yana, that they're just like so powerful. And I think dancers and people in general have to be very selective with the people that you surround yourself and I had great cheerleaders. I had great supporters. And, you know, like in those moments, you need to, to learn how to ask for help. You need to address. You need to be able to communicate and say, you know, I feel like this and that. Um, 
My parents were such a, a great support during that time. You know, they understood exactly what I was going through. And like, they were like, no, keep going, like keep going, You're, everything is doing good. Um, and in that sense, little by little, I start understanding, you know, what I really like. And I have different like life plans. You know, I, like I went from, at a moment I'm like, I'm gonna have an in vitro baby. That's what I wanna do, whatever. And then the next the, two months later, I'm like, I want to have a dance studio, whatever, whatever. And then, you know, a month after I was like, I'm going to adopt a baby better, you know. And then a month after it's like, I'm just going to travel, you know. <laughs> so it took some time to kind of like figure it out. It's not the most pleasant um, feeling when you don't really know what to do. It takes time. I learn to think slow. This is something that, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take all these ideas that I have of, of a future life project and I'm not going to put any type of pressure on myself. I don't know what to do. I will know what to do at a certain moment. And it's fine if I don't know what to do. It's fine. It's fine. You know, and it was a little difficult for me to kind of like um, accept that <laughs> because I started my belly dance career literally when I was 13. So I, I, I had a life plan since I was 13. And then suddenly got to a moment where I accomplished everything that I wanted it, that you're like in this sense of Plato and you're like, okay, but I don't feel challenged anymore. Like how, like, what else can I, can I do? On the other half, I think that because I have worked consistent for a long time on here, there's a lot of opportunities that kind of like flow and, you know, you keep moving until then suddenly you're like, oh my God, I found a purpose. I'm excited and I'm happy. <laughs> But processes, respecting processes also, you know, and not losing yourself in, in the middle of the process. Well, in terms of changes and processes of finding purpose, I know that you had uh, uh, physically and logistically also a lot of changes in your dance work. Um, like to say this part, you closed the studio, you started Solo's program, and you have quite a few of new projects <laughs> on your I plate. Have a lot of can yeah. you share what excites you now and what gives you the purpose <laughs> in I life and wait. dance? <laughs> okay. I closed the studio. It was hard. I missed that studio every freaking day. I admit there's a little bit of me that regret it, but just like 20% of me regret it, you know? Mm. Uh, that was hard, but at the same time, I felt very alleviated. Anybody that had a studio will understand what I'm talking about because you work so hard to keep it going, to keep it going, to keep it going, but it just gets to a point that you're like, I can't sacrifice more. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Tired. I did it. I have it on my resume. You know, like, I, I didn't lose anything. You know, I finish a chapter, boom, 
I love, and, and this is something that I, that I, it took me a while to write, really understood the power of like destructing and constructing again, you know, and like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start from scratch again. Everything was like a rebirth for me after the pandemic. I'm living by myself. I'm going to build now my own business based on my persona, micro business, and let's do it all over again. I have all this experience already. Let's do it all over again. That obviously, you know, it's easier for me because I have already had an experience. So like it, it, it was like easy. Uh, I developed a strong relationship with my students because it was only me and my students. So it was easy to manage. And at the same time, it allowed me to create a, a more strong bonding with my ladies, uh, which I adore them. And that was great. And it also gives me the space to produce, which is something that I enjoy a lot. And I think uh, it's also part of my creative uh, aspect, my productions and producing events. Uh, I, I love that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I, I was teaching my classes. I noticed that, you know, there's been for the past years less interest in belly dance classes. Like it's not the trendy thing anymore, especially here in Miami. Like I can tell like how pole dancing is like right now, like the main thing. Like there's a lot of pole dancing studios opening all over the place. Um, and just as a few, let's say a few years ago, I could see that with yoga. Now I could see it here in my city with pole dancing. And in, I gave one of my impro classes and a colleague of mine called Alexandra Molina came to one of my classes. And Alexandra is actually technically my competition. Like she was working in another studio. She was also teaching classes in Miami. And Alexandra is a visual artist, too. She's a painter. Amazing painter. Amazing, ridiculous dancer. That I have always had, like, a great relationship with her. She came to one of my classes, and we talked at the end. And I told her, hey, Alex, like, you have your students. I noticed that we also share students. We have some students, like, in common. You have a very similar uh, pedagogy philosophy to me, like, we like to empower women through dance, like that's our thing. Uh, would you like to collaborate to do a theatrical together that we can actually keep our summer classes like going and we can do like a small production for our students, but I don't want to get that, you know, financial toll of like renting this big space because I don't, I don't have like so many, you know, to be able to like, rent a big space and also I cannot do like a one hour show with the students that I have like it's not not doable and she said oh yeah let's do it it's perfect we're gonna have choreography courses we just thought we thought about it like very basic very basic we're gonna have choreography courses and that's it we'll keep the summer good right we class it because you know that in the summer nobody comes to class it's the low season 
And we start working. I told her I have the list of all the theaters from Miami because I'm always obsessively checking different type of venues. And we can go check and like figure it out. Then I did another meeting with her and we were talking about like, how can we do a show where, you know, it's not the typical student show. How can I want the audience to really understand what's going on in class? How powerful is this dance? And how we can make a student show that could satisfy your students and at the same time that people can see it and want to come to class? You know, like, how can we do that? Like, how can we? And we start brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming. I think it's great the fact that both of us have a academic formation in arts. Like, we just speak the same language because we're from humanities. My bachelor is in creative and literature, comparative literature. Her bachelor, it's on uh, visual arts, painting, I believe. And through that conversation, uh, I think we we're going to put it, my body speaks. Like, we went through different names. Like, the first name was my body speaks. And we wanted it to create, like, a different type of bonding. Then I told her, how, how about, I told her, I took a personal memoir creative writing class. And it was very revealing and very powerful, the process of writing your own story because you realize the story that you tell yourself about yourself. And I think it would be great if we um, record the voices of the students giving an introduction of why they are dancing before they perform, right? And she's like, oh my God, I love that. And uh, we were having dinner with her boyfriend who is incredibly smart. And he's like, yeah, you guys can have that. And you know, he's just thinking like in the concept and he's like, and then you know, you can take that pro the, the production everywhere and like it's very, you're really empowering women because you're, you're using their own voices and body and this could be, you know, I don't know, like belly dance stories. And me and her, we look at each other and we're like, oh my God. And we were like, and he was just like, he just said it like very casually and I'm like, Alexandra, and she's like, do you hear that title? And I'm like, belly dance stories? And she's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And it was like, we just saw it conceptually at that moment, like, oh my God, this is it. We're going to do a show combining creative writing and dancing where the students can talk about the reason why they dance or whatever piece that they want to talk about. Then the audience can see it, but the audience is connecting through the voice of the dancer before, and then it see the dancer, you know. And then her went even more crazy and beyond, and she's like, "And we can make a book. We can make a book with the writing of the students." And and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is getting out of control." And we found an amazing theater. We brought the idea to our students and other members of the community. We 
decided we got a sponsorship from HGAP. This is a beautiful place where you can create content and they have photo studios and recording studios. So we we got a we got a sponsor from them and we did the first photo shoot. We did a photo shoot of the show with them. Like we just went the extra mile and everybody was dressed in purple. And we used that time to tell them the purpose of the show, telling them that, that it was going to be different, that we we're going to be recording their voices. And I gave them uh, two guide questions that I wanted for them to fill it out. And from there, we were going to edit that, uh, that uh, text and curate the show, you know, according to the text, you know. So we wanted them to also think, you know, whatever you're saying in the text has to match your performing, you know, like you got to think that you're telling a story to people. And that was very interesting because all type of topics came out. The main question was like, why do you dance and how dance has impacted your personal life? And, oh, my God, it was just like a catharsis. Like, this woman, like, they spoke, they spoke so much realness, so much reality. They were so raw. They were not afraid to share it. Uh, and it was a huge learning experience for Alex and me. Uh, also to work with our students. I had I had a, a student that worked in a piece about fat phobia. Her text was super powerful. You guys can check it out on YouTube, Belly and Stories. Uh, Alex, that's one, one of my favorite pieces. Uh, I have heard about fat phobia. I never uh, imagined the amount of violence they go through. And it was very powerful to work that piece with my student uh, because she even told me at a certain moment, like at the beginning, she was like, because she's really proud of her body. And that's what I love about her text. I don't want to say too much because I want you guys to see it. Uh, but, <laughs> but her text is like, it's really powerful. It's really powerful. And like... Uh, she was telling me at the beginning, she was telling me that, you know, it's never been a battle for me to be a fat woman. You know, I have always been very like proud of my curves and like, like, you know, like it's, it hasn't been difficult to love myself. Like she said, like people have this idea that because I'm a fat person, I have to be sad and I'm depressed with myself. I'm, I'm like, I have always liked my body. Yeah. Even though people have pointed out, you know, violently that I am not, you know, uh, I don't comply with the aesthetics of the time. Uh, and then while we were working in the piece, in the last rehearsal, she told me, you know, Valerie, I haven't realized that I'm speaking about one of the most deepest experiences of my life, which is like living as a fat person. Like I haven't realized what like, She's just realizing what she's going to share and like how really is it's so uh, um, so powerful for her to reflect on that. And Yana 
Oh my God, she's an amazing dancer. Alex, soon cover. You're hearing me. I'm talking about you. I'm guaranteeing. Um, her mom also takes my classes. And like, oh my God, it was so beautiful because she, her text and like recording her audio, this was something very interesting. Recording the audios of the dancers because they were super nervous. We put them in a professional uh, <laughs> Recording studio, so you know you have the 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 ear earphones super big. You can hear your voice like super nice and clear, and it was a different exercises because they had to also pay attention to the tone, right? So it was this full and body experience of their choreography because first they have to you know uh, tell it. So we were coaching them, hey, try to talk very casual, try to use this tone or try to be a little bit more aggressive when you say this. And I think in that process also of understanding that the way you say it can translate to different things. It's the same thing in dance, you know, the way you execute the movement can, you know, reflect different things. Uh, and it was very powerful because for many of them, they will feel, I had one of them that she, Every time she would say the the her text, she would get very emotional. And like we had to record it, cry, record it, cry. And then I realized, man, like these ladies are changing. This there's some really deep change here. We presented the show Full House. I have never been in a show where especially a student showcase because the student showcases sometimes the audience can be like really dry because they don't know how to react but in this one like the people were so connected with the dancer from the audio so they got that preview and in the moment they saw them dancing it's like they understood everything we had a piece talking about, you know, death and how do we appreciate death. We had a piece also talking about, you know, overcoming physical challenges and mental challenges like depression. And we have my, my piece talking about miscarriage. We have a piece of female empowering. We, we have so many things. Uh, and they also, we have a, uh, this is something that I like about the show, that it has a lot of variety. So you can have a professional dancer, but you can also have a beginner dancer. And like, it was very enjoyable because you hear the story. So you hear the beginner student saying to you, uh, saying, oh, I enjoy this dance because of this. It made me feel this. I never thought that I was going to be able to do this. And then you see the woman dancing on stage and you realize, oh man, like, you know, it's very courageous from her and people feel more connected. And that was like super beautiful on the show. So I have that. And then I also have the Miami Belly Dance Retreat, which is a very different experience. It's my first time doing it. And I am partnered up with Thais Kriegen for that uh, project. And Thais is an incredible woman that she has been focusing her entire life in fitness and wellness. 
and she's also a belly dancer. She te teaches at the Caring Long Wellness Resort, which is an amazing resort here in Miami with one of the best spas in Miami and a place really dedicated to health. So the hotel has doctor offices, spa, uh, you name it, anything related to that old type of professionals. They have about 300 physical classes happening per week. Wow. And they host a lot of retreats. So you can go there and host a retreat by yourself. The rooms look like a spa. So we are excited to launch the first Miami Belly Dance retreat. I am a person that works super hard, and I don't know if this happens to you, but when I want to kind of like relax, I say, you know what, this weekend I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to relax and like, you know. And then you just spend the entire weekend in your house without doing anything. And then Monday comes and you're just even more tired. You know, like it's difficult for me to kind of like find ways in which I can say, you know what, I'm going to take time to recharge and like indulge myself. And like, but then the day comes and you don't know what to do. And you're like, okay, should I take the massage? Or like, you know, so we have prepared a schedule where we want, we're combining wellness and some holistic techniques and belly dance. So we want people to come to the event and like really treat themselves as a queen where you can have physical activities. You can take your class in front of a beautiful ocean view. You can access the spa of the hotel and we're doing sound healing. We're doing a, a different uh, uh, wellness technique called Watsu. Uh, some people also call it like water dance. It's called the aquatic rebirthing experience. It's very interesting relaxation technique where you're floating in the water and the person or the therapist is carrying you as a baby and they're doing all type of movements. Yana, I tried that and it's such a beautiful and interesting experience because you're so relaxed, right? You're in the water. And then suddenly it just feels so familiar. It's like reminding, remembering how it felt to be a baby, that surrendering type of experience. And something that I've been learning, it's about, you know, how powerful it's water also. You know, there's a lot of my partner, it's, she t teaches all type of aquatic work, you know, uh, working with injuries. There's a lot of aqua aerobics that we as dancers can benefit at all. Uh, uh, a lot in the sense that, you know, there's, I feel like for me right now as a dancer, I'm really taking my recovery time more seriously. Like I noticed how important it is for me to have moments where I have to give rest to my body and also how like exercise, stretching allows me also to keep my movement. So that's what we want with, with the retreat. We want people to come, disconnect, enjoy a beautiful luxury hotel and enjoy classes. We have a Sisa, we have Porsche, we have Anish, we have really amazing teachers. And I just don't want dancers to relax and women, you know, I don't want people to think about their show. I want people to come, enjoy Miami, enjoy the beach, go to, to the classes, 
or stay on the beach, have a piña colada, and then come back home feeling like, man, I did something for myself. It's so important. Like right now people talk about self-love in a very like liked way, but that's like a, just like being honest with yourself. It's a hardcore uh, practice, you know, it's not like constant. And um, yeah, I, this, I created an event that I wanted it to attend. Like I feel like now I take moments in my time that helped me out a lot creatively of like really like let me just do something nice for me you know and it's important it's important to 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 keep those commitments it's so funny on the everything that you said i had a, a few comments uh but um starting backwards let's say by thought process right now like uh, what you mentioned that oh on the days when you decide to rest it's difficult to know like and you don't feel on monday rested i think it's a matter of actually knowing yourself yes. and knowing what brings you joy just the same way as in dance we often don't know ourselves and when we try to channel emotions to dance we get surprised what stories come up and how difficult it is to talk through the stories and um I feel ballet dancers in general, not everyone, of course, but in general, that's just my impression, my observation and uh, like my thoughts that it's very often, not always, but very often people who unconsciously choose the dance because it's difficult to talk to them. Yes, yes. That's what, yes. It reminded me your example of stories, how people got emotional and they tried to read their own text yes, about yes. the dance. And also, it's people that unfortunately unconsciously hold a lot of tension a in lot, the body. Yeah. And they do need relaxation. So that's a really cool idea that you're putting together. It's a retreat to actually relax. <laughs> Not like retreat, hard work, 10 relax. hours of dancing every day. No, it's a different goal. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, you understood it, yeah. There's events where you go, you work super hard, you know, and like that's great. I wanted a, a retreat. I wanted people to come and like, you know what? I'm just gonna take a dance vacation. Uh, for those of, of you that know Assisa of Montreal, this woman is a retreat. To experience her is a retreat. Uh, I've been part in the past of, of Assisa's dream camp. So she's a huge inspiration also for this project. And it was so enjoyable, her dream camp. And Aziza is such a wonderful and inspiring woman that, you know, what she created in that event, you work hard, but you also play. And, and I feel sometimes uh, in the productions of events, not that I'm trying to be like critical or opinionated, like it, like I feel sometimes, you know, there's events that we take it way too serious, right? We're focusing on competing, and it's important also to also nurture that sense of playing. It's important to kind of like give it your mind and your body and your spirit that type of restart. And um, and yeah, and like the location is very beautiful. August is great. Um, I think that the price that we have is excellent. It's not a long period of time. So people that... Uh, have to work and they're looking for that mini vacation that is not necessary one week. It could be ideal because you can arrive Thursday 
and then the event lasts three days. Monday, you're back home. That's it. So I also like that idea that it's, you know, we're going to have activities hardcorely from, from, for three days. So it's not extra long uh, because I know the availability of everyone is not necessarily the same. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. What I'm are the excited. dates of the event? We're going August 24th to the 28th. 2023 so it's a plenty of time to structure your schedule and do plans in advance for everyone who's planning their next summer sure. summer or for some season some countries winter <laughs> vacation because exactly exactly if you need to escape your winter yeah. i got you <laughs> Well, uh, before I ask you our like final summarizing question of the podcast, I would like to thank you really sincerely and deeply for being with us and sharing so honestly all the insights, all the, you know, things that we don't talk typically yes. in the dance community. So thank you for being so open and sharing your personal experience uh, in life and in dance. And I really, really appreciate it. And I know that listening to this conversation definitely was uh, transformational and powerful for many of the listeners who needed to hear that right now in their moment of their life. So thank you for being that, uh, you know, guidance and inspiration for, for, for them and for, for all of us. Thank you, Yana. Thank you for doing this beautiful work that I like admire also so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will definitely include uh, links to your social media, to your projects, to your YouTube channel, which a lot of things now listeners need to check from what we talked about today. And it's definitely worth checking. So all this will be in the show notes. All our listeners can easily connect uh, uh, connect with you and check out your work. And I would love to summarize our interview with our traditional question, which I'm very curious to ask you right now at this point of your life and with all the transformations that you had. And the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. I feel that is such a powerful art form that, oh my God, it talks about so many aspects about our humanity that I feel this dance is heavily underestimated with their, the capacity of, of this dance to communicate. Uh, a lot of human needs, a lot of human emotions, and communicate human nature. Um, and I, I don't get tired of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I do not get tired of it. Like I'm constantly getting um, inspired by the same transformations of the dance even though, you know, some of them can be problematic and not are my favorites. Uh, but I, I, I love this dance. I, I still love it for the same reasons that I love it at the, at the beginning. I feel it's such a source of power. And uh, it's very evident, like, when I see people dancing to, to feel that people are constantly practicing body autonomy every time they dance. And, like, for me, that's more than enough to keep me hooked. 
that's it for today i hope you have enjoyed this episode and before you leave don't forget to screenshot and share it with your friends the more people get inspired the better it is for our dance community until next time keep shimming and see you soon this episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free.